Well, again, good morning, you all. And I love that prayer that Heather and V give right before we get up and teach the Word of God, because we literally could not do any teaching of the Word of God without who? Without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the words to speak. He gives us the way to plan what we do when we're giving messages or when we're singing songs, when we're leading kids on Kid Street. The Holy Spirit empowers all that language. Think about for yourself in your own faith, think about how you came into the faith. The scripture talks about we can't really be saved unless we are hearing God's word, right? And it's the Holy Spirit who gives us that word. This morning, I want to share with you a work of the Holy Spirit that doesn't have anything to do with words. Yesterday, I took the truck and I picked up two rolling carts that we're going to be using as a part of our welcoming of new people on Sunday mornings at the new building. These carts are going to house new guests, gifts, and all kinds of supplies and materials that folks will be uh, sharing and giving out to other people when they come, especially new people to the new building. And they'll be rollable and they'll move around in the lobby at the new building. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because what you're seeing here is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not only the words and the word of God that is shared in the church that gives new life to new things, that creates new things, including new opportunities to share with first-time guests the good news of Jesus. I want to share with you the two guys and their wives who make up a family unit of our other worship team who's not here today. These guys are all traveling and on vacation. But the two men in the middle there, Brian and Brennan, they got together on their own time and took some materials and put together these two rolling carts. For us, that's a great benefit because that's something that we get to use on Sunday mornings. But for those two gentlemen in particular, it was a movement of the Holy Spirit that inspired them and took the knowledge and the experience that they had building stuff and assembled these two carts as volunteers on the weekends. And so we're grateful for all the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, as you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. You see evidence of his making of things as you look outside the window here. And when you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, all those good words, you know what Jesus means to you. You know that Christ is the one who died on the cross for you. And then what happened three days later? He rose again from the grave for you. You're able to say those words. And then when you get to the work of the Holy Spirit, we have a one-liner in there that deals with the concept of the Holy Spirit's work after Jesus rises from the dead and then ascends up into heaven. And in fact, the scripture that was shared with you this morning is from a speech that Jesus gave to his disciples as he was getting ready to leave them. Now, this was as he was getting ready to go to the cross, die there, rise again three days later, and then spent 40 days and nights with them, and then he ascended into heaven. As he was getting ready to do that for the next 50 days or so, he said these words to them. He said, all this I have spoken while still with you. In other words, all the things that you're going to experience as the church Here's what you're going to experience. You're going to be persecuted on my behalf. You're going to see miracles happen. You're going to see things, uh, amazing things that happen in this supernatural realm like angels and demons. You're going to see the world change right in front of your eyes. And when all this happens, it's going to be fueled and powered 
by one very special part of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. He says, all this I've spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. So the number one function of the Holy Spirit is to teach us. So the reason we have people preaching is a function of God's word. But you cannot learn God's word just from a preacher. So if you come to church and you listen to me preach, that's one way. If Pastor Mark comes and visits and preaches, that's another way. If you get on and listen to Stephen Furtick or you listen to Craig Groeschel or other people online, you can learn the word of God in that way as well through those preachers. But the number one way you're going to hear God's voice and learn his word is by the Holy Spirit speaking to you through you reading the word for yourself. You getting into the word yourself and hearing it. Like my son, Caleb, my youngest son, Caleb, streams God's word in his bedroom, most of the time at my prompting, on his little cheap $15 Alexa we got him a couple of years ago to use as an alarm. What we use as a glorified alarm to help him get up for school, he can also stream an audio version of the Bible so he can get it into his head. When I'm riding around in my car and I'm looking for something to listen to, sometimes I'll do the same thing. It gets God's word into my head. It feeds it into the computer of my mind so that when it's time for the Holy Spirit to do his work in me, there's something to work with. When you assimilate God's word, it gives the Holy Spirit some stuff to work with. And what Jesus is saying here is this, this Holy Spirit has come to you. You already have him. He is the one who was present when you were baptized into the faith. He is the one who walks with you every day, who gives you those words to speak and the hands to serve. When you are called to make something for the kingdom of God, like Brian and Brennan, it's the Holy Spirit who inspires you to take the experience and the skill you have and to put them to work in God's kingdom. So Jesus says this, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to teach you all things and check this out, he's going to remind you of everything I've said to you. So think about this, as the word of God flows into you, as you strategically put it into your life, the Holy Spirit not only teaches you new things about the word of God as you encounter it, but the Holy Spirit also reminds you of what you've already learned. The fact that you are a chosen forgiven child of God. The fact that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to share your faith with others, and that includes with words, right? But it also reminds you that you have a future ahead of you that is guaranteed by the work of Jesus. See that little voice in your head that reminds you of how special, amazing, and unique you are in God's kingdom and empowered by him. That little voice, that's the Holy Spirit. So we say in our creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And then the rest of that language goes like this. Would you just read this with me? One, two, three. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen means it's true or I agree. I put a little star in there by Christian because the original word was Catholic. But Christians got confused, thinking that maybe we were lifting up the branch of the Christian church called the Catholic Church with a capital C. That's why we ended up replacing that word with the word Christian. So we understand it's the entire Christian church all across the world, including the Catholic Church. Does that make sense? 
So we use that word strategically as an inclusionary way to bring all Christians into this creed. But the creed starts with the concept of the Holy Spirit and then gets into all this other stuff, like the function of the church, this communion of saints. And the word communion is more than just us taking communion. It's like a family nature to us who follow Jesus, the saints of the church. And among us lives and breathes every single day the value of forgiving sins and the fact that our bodies will one day rise from the grave. <coughs> Excuse me, the pollen. Uh, just bear with me on that with my voice. Um, this idea of the church being manifest in the world through the forgiveness of sins and with the hope of the resurrection of the body is eternal for us. That work is the work of the Holy Spirit as we remember and understand what Jesus teaches. So think about that scripture we just looked at. The Holy Spirit's function is to bring us together under the idea that we have a future that is guaranteed in Christ and that we are intended to live together as faith family, this communion of saints. But the temptation when we think about the Holy Spirit is to think about him maybe like this. You guys know who this guy is? This is Casper the Friendly Ghost. The temptation is to think of the Holy Spirit more like Casper, who's kind of a fun-loving, mischievous ghost who visits you and does all kinds of fun things, but he's pretty much harmless. He's kind of like a pet. And in fact, maybe we got that idea from the concept of the Holy Ghost. This was the first language the King James Church used for Holy Spirit, called it Holy Ghost. And the idea is that the Holy Spirit is not a ghost. The Holy Spirit is not something that existed after somebody died. You know, in kind of modern nomenclature, the concept of a ghost is somebody's spirit who lingers on after they die. But we know biblically that's not true. When we die, our spirits go somewhere. So there's not really anything such as a ghost in reality in our world. Despite what we do at Halloween, there's no such thing as ghosts, right? The Holy Ghost is no exception. The, the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit is not something that lingers after God dies. It's not something that lingers after Jesus dies. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is in fact a member of what's called the Trinity or the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are considered co-equal and co-eternal. In other words, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all hanging out together before we were created and before time began. And the three of them working together said this, let us make humans in our image. That includes the image of God in the Holy Spirit. So think about it this way. The word spirit actually comes from a word that means breath, the breath of God. You can kind of get this image when you think about Adam being created in the image of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What did God do when Adam was created? He bent down and kind of scooped up some dirt and mud and squashed it all together, and then what happened? He breathed into it, and then what happened? It came to life. This word spirit, pneuma, 
comes from this idea of the breath of God. And so the breath of God shows you that God is moving and alive and active. In fact, the word even goes on and means thinking, feeling, deciding, taking action. It even means the soul of God. So think about the spirit of God being active, thinking, feeling, operating in the world, being the very nature of God's soul. And then we qualify that word spirit with the word holy. What does holy mean? Now, holy goes beyond Robin's use of it in Batman, right? Holy is this idea of being sacred, being set apart, pure, selfless, truthful, blameless, The holiness of the Spirit makes the Spirit of God unique. There's only one Holy Spirit. And yet that Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to do everything he did on the cross and thereafter, didn't he? In fact, the Holy Spirit is even credited in the Scripture for being the one that carried people along as they shared God's Word with new people. It's the same Holy Spirit that does the work in you and me. And he is unique. There is no other Holy Spirit like him. He stands apart. He is pure, selfless, blameless. He is sacred. He is holy. And then as we talked about earlier, John goes on and shares the words of Jesus as he continues to encourage his people, knowing that he's getting ready to go to the cross. He says, when this advocate comes whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Now, Heather alluded to this idea in her comments earlier, and this is right on target. In fact, I think the Holy Spirit probably gave her the words before he gave me the words, and the Holy Spirit didn't have us talk about those words before church today. The Holy Spirit often does that. He often, we, he often weaves together messages that are in lyrics of songs and in sermons and even in the prayers that are going to be prayed on a specific day through the power of the Holy Spirit making a cohesive message. This is the primary work of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit as advocate takes on a whole new meaning if you stop long enough and really understand what that means. Now, Heather's right. The word advocate is a legal term. It literally means summoned one. It is the one who is summoned to help us. The one who is called upon to be there with us as we walk in our average everyday life. And you can see evidence of that in the next few words that come after in John chapter 15 that highlight the word testify. Testify is a legal term. It means to bear witness. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in court before. Now, go ahead and raise your hand up if you've been indicted for crime. No, don't put your hand up. Okay, just, yeah, Rodney start to throw his hand up right away. Yeah, I know that's a joke. Anyway, if you've ever been in court before, and I've been in court before, and I've stood before the judge before, is when I was 16 years old, and I was caught speeding trying to come home from my girlfriend's house at 1 o'clock in the morning. I was two hours past curfew. The cop pulled me over, scared the life out of me, took my license. I appeared before the judge. My mom stood there and said, Your Honor, do you think we should take his license away? He looked down and thought for a minute and was like, Well, maybe not this time. I was shaking. 
Like I was almost wetting myself. I was so afraid about what was getting ready to happen. But in that moment, I was called to testify as to why I was speeding 20 miles an hour over the speed limit at one o'clock in the morning at age 16 in my borrowed parents' car. I had to bear witness to the reason why I was doing what I was doing. Testify is a legal term. And what's happening is the advocate is coming alongside us and helping us to testify. So the advocate, the summoned one, whenever we in the moment are in a conversation with someone who needs to hear the good news of Jesus, the advocate comes in that moment on demand. We issue a summons to him and he appears before others in the court of real life as our advocate He gives us the literal language to speak. That day when I was standing before the judge as a 16-year-old giving my testimony, I wish I'd had an advocate next to me. Somebody who could say to the judge, well, your honor, Mike really did have the best of intentions staying at his girlfriend's house two hours late on Friday night. That would have been helpful. Didn't have that advocate. Didn't need one. Shouldn't use one for that purpose. But when the moment of truth comes and you stand before a judge, someone who's judging your every word, and you've got somebody who can give you the language, sometimes that can make the difference between life and death, can it? The Holy Spirit does that. He answers the great summons. God, please give me the words to speak. And that Holy Spirit infuses that word of God in you and speaks that word on demand. He's faithful. He testifies. He bears witness with you. He gives you what you need. In fact, there's a definition of the word testify that you can look up in a couple of resources that we share here at South Naperville. One of them is online. It's called the Blue Letter Bible. If you ever want to know what the original language of a Bible passage says, you can go to blueletterbible.com, and it will give you that for free. You can look it up for free. But here's a definition of the word testify, to bear witness, to affirm that one has seen or heard or experienced something, or that he knows it because taught by divine revelation or inspiration. What does that sound like? It sounds like the word of God, doesn't it? That is taught by the Holy Spirit, the advocate. It's to give and not hold back testimony when called upon. It is to utter honorable testimony, to give a good report, to conjure or implore. You see the work of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God in you and in me. In fact, there's a young man who's a pastor over in China. Uh, His name is Pastor Wang Yi. And Pastor Wang Yi was literally just convicted in the last two years of being a subversive element in the People's Republic of China. The reason is, is because he's a pastor who preaches about Jesus He also happened to be around at the time of Tiananmen Square. Do you guys remember that in history where the young man stood in front of the tank and it was captured in a picture and people lost their lives because they were protesting in China for free speech and all the freedoms that we enjoy here in America, like the freedom of religion? After that happened, Wang Yi becomes a Christian pastor. In fact, He's kind of a hero for us because he's got a house church network in China to this day, even under persecution, that's 500 strong. 
They meet in small groups in people's homes. There are times when the police could be banging on their door and they're all running out the back of the house to run from police because they've been meeting for worship and the hearing of God's word and prayer. But he maintains a network, a fellowship of 500 people in communist China under persecution as their pastor while also overseeing a school of 40 children and raising up new pastors in their own makeshift seminary. Well, he was recently captured by the law and sentenced to nine years in jail for being a subversive element in China. And in fact, while he was in his first year of incarceration, he wrote in Mandarin a poem that I'm going to share the English version with you on now. The poem's not going to make a lot of sense, I'll be honest. But bear with me. There's a point to be had. Pastor says this, the peach blossom does not covet or want fruit. The east wind misunderstands how I miss my son. If the lamb did not replace Isaac, how could one compare the biological with the heavenly father? And we understand this from a journalist who wrote about this poem, that although the earthly father of Xu Ya, Pastor Wang, misses his son, knowing that he knows that because he and Xu Ya have the same heavenly father, they share a hope they will together forever be in heaven. They share the hope that they will be together forever in heaven. So even though we might not understand the cultural linguistic nuances of the poem, you get the picture. The idea is this, that Pastor Wong is in prison for the next nine years. You can see that his son is young. He's going to miss almost 10 years of his kid's life. But when he's asked about the work he does in the name of Jesus, which includes being persecuted and separated from his family, to the point of where they get to see him and reach out and touch him through the bars. He says this, he says, separate me from my wife and children, ruin my reputation, destroy my life and my family. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life and no one can raise me from the dead. Who is it that gives him this confidence? Who is it that helps him to speak the words in spite of the fact that he's watching his son grow up on the other side of the bars? That sacrifice, those words, that action comes from the Holy Spirit. Can you see how powerful the Spirit is when He comes to you in your baptism and claims you, when He gets a hold of you? Stuff in your life changes. You become a part of something bigger than yourself. You become a functional part of the communion of saints who are together. That word communion is a union brought together. All of us being saints where we remind each other of not only the forgiveness of sins, but the resurrection of the body, which means no matter what's happening in your life, if you're persecuted and behind bars for your faith, if you're separated and cut off from your family, if you are inconvenienced in the slightest of ways because of Jesus, you've got a hope and a future and a purpose that is settled on Christ is irrefutable. 
It's unchangeable. It will not be undone. And the one who reminds you of that, that life everlasting, that you have no matter what, is the same one who bent down in the mud and breathed life into dirt and made the first of us. Why would God not breathe life into us today? The answer is, he does. <laughs> On the day when you feel like dirt, remember who has breathed life in you. The promised one, the advocate, the wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for your power and for your word. Thank you so much for giving us a spirit who advocates for us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to follow you into new and amazing things, into opportunities to serve you and to be yours. Thank you for advocating for us, for standing beside us and giving us the words to speak when we are called to testify. Heavenly Father, we can't live this life without you. You are the way and the truth and the life. And you have taken care of us in a way that is priceless and powerful by giving us your very soul, your spirit, the one who is pure, blameless, holy, set apart. God, help me remember who it is that is alive in me today. And when called upon, gives me the words to speak. We thank you for him and for our faith and our life in you. In your name we pray and together we say, amen and amen. I'd invite you to stand and worship as we sing about the Holy Spirit.